Hello and welcome to Atomic Radio Hour, episode 262, the post-nuclear podcast, the show that dives into the wreckage that is post-apocalyptia. I'm your host, Vince, and I hope you're doing well. Welcome to the program. Welcome to episode 262. Uh, before I get into anything, I got some stuff planned. I have a piece of lore uh, planned for you. That's, that's, a, that's a sizable piece, a nice chunky bit. Uh, kind of disappointing, not in the sense of it's not written, but the outcome of it, of, of what this piece of lore is. A little disappointing, I gotta say. A little, little saddened it made me while I read it, while I researched, while I wrote. I also have for the third segment a story uh, of why last week was a burner episode, and my god, did I have a ton of fun, and I can't wait to tell you about it. I have another project in the works that's detailing it a little longer, so... Make sure to check that out. If you're not already subscribed to the YouTube channel, if you're only a listener on podcast apps, make sure to check out Old Man Vince. There's two videos that I should be working on soon that are big that I think are going to be very uh, entertaining, and I'd love for you to check out. But before I do anything else, we do have somebody in attendance here. It's Captain Lennox. He is is part of the live studio audience, and if you like the show and you'd like to see the show be recorded... There is a Patreon tier, the $10 tier, the live, Film Live for a Studio audience tier, where you can watch these episodes every Wednesday at about 8.30 Mountain Standard Time. You can watch these episodes get recorded live. Before I get into the lore, before I do anything else, I need to say thank you. Not just to the Patreon, but to everybody. Uh, totally missed me. I've been incredibly busy between music festivals. I'm going to different shows, different events. I'm planning uh, different vacations. I'm planning on my planning on my trip to uh, Vegas in a f- probably this weekend, maybe the following week. I'll be sitting down with my with a, f- a friend that's going with me. Uh, we're gonna sit down and map out what we're doing and everything. So I've been incredibly busy, but I have to thank you guys because I hit five years of doing Atomic Radio Hour. What started? Let me actually get the exact date because uh, I just had it in front of me. Where did it go? The channel, the YouTube channel, was made June twenty first of 2018 i've had thousands of downloads i've had for over 45,000 views on the channel i'm over 500 subscribers i'm closer to 600 than i am to 500 and i, I made this show with my friend in their bedroom on just a whim just an idea just me liking a thing a lot and wanting to talk about it because a new game got announced and we were excited about it and here I am. I've moved states. I've lived in three different places. The house I grew up in, my first apartment, now my second apartment. And I've changed a lot. Uh, I've become a different human. I like to think a better human, but, you know, things are subjective. I've fostered a community. I've made friends. I've talked to people. I've, I wasn't very comfortable with me being on camera for a while. Um, I've always struggled with my weight, and just as a big person, the first thing people see is... I don't like the term struggling with your weight. Anyway, uh, you know, someone sees that you're bigger, and they instantly go to attack him for his weight. So, the first year of us was just audio, and that, I think, was kind of deliberate. But after that, it was very much a decision that I made for myself that I wanted to go to video. I wanted to push myself out of my comfort zone. I've learned, I've taught myself how to, et- how to edit in these past five years. I've taught myself a lot of things that I didn't think I would ever learn, and not just them being skills, not just them being these little small things. <laughs> like, like 
they're small things, but they're big things. I feel like I've gotten better at talking to people. I feel like I've gotten better at listening to people. I feel like I've just kind of evolved the way a human does, but I've had a little bit of an empath and empath and emphasis. Still can't talk. Can barely read. Emphasis on on who I am. And I, I have to thank you guys. I, I have to. I have to thank everybody who's ever listened, anyone who's ever even just considered listening, anybody who's looked at my YouTube channel, not even subscribed or watched or commented, just because I'm doing something that I love. And I'm getting to learn and write and research and do all these things that I love. And I do it because, I mean, even if no one was listening, I think I do it. But still, I, it, it helps that there's a group of people that want to hear it. And it just means the world to me. So this is half a decade of Atomic Radio Hour. It started off as a very different show, and it'll probably continue as a very different show and grow and become bigger and better. Thank you for being here. Sincerely, thank you. I believe, actually, the day this comes out is, I think, the 15th? The 15th. The 15th of July. We recorded the first episode, Olive and I, the previous co-host, we recorded the first episode together on July 4th, I believe, because I think the original episode, she cuts in and she's like, hey, uh, fireworks are going off, so sorry if that's in the background. And I think the first episode went up on the 14th. I want to say it took about 10 days, maybe a little longer. I remember sitting on it for a minute because the channel was made in June, but we had the idea. We made the channel. We went from there. Um, June 21st, to be precise. But... Let me actually, you know what, screw it, we're here. Let me look it up quick. Let me look up when the first one came out. I don't know why I didn't do this to begin with. This says four years ago, so not quite. July 14th, I was right. So this episode will come out a day after the first episode came out. July 14th, 2018. Man. If you would have asked me, in 2018, where you think you'd see yourself in five years. I don't know if I'd say here. Not even just with the show. I just mean myself. Just who I am as a human. I don't know, man. I don't believe in being proud of yourself. I have a very hard time with it. I just think that, you know, like, there's nothing special about graduating from school. There's nothing special about moving out of your house. There's nothing special about doing all these things. There's your things that you're supposed to do. But man, does it feel good. <laughs> it feels nice to be here. And it feels even better because I know you're here with me. So thank you. Thank you. I, I, I don't know what to say. Uh, I don't, I, I mean, this is officially like I've done this longer than I've been in high school. And if I do another uh, quick math, not good, uh, uh, seven years of this, then it's longer than I've been in school. So, hey, here's to the future. We're not getting another Fallout game till 2032. I'll be in my 30s. But... Hopefully, I'll see you guys there. Hopefully, some of you will be there. So, thank you. Thank you for five years of Atomic Radio Hour from the depths of my heart. It's actually fitting that I did it on this day and not uh, two weeks ago when it was 260, 260 times, or uh, 52 times five is 260, if I did the math correctly, which, who knows, public school education, right? But this is, uh, this is it. Baby Frank's fifth birthday. All right, let me get away from this. I got I to gotta stop being self-aggrandizing and doing shit for my own self-edification. I would like to thank the Patreon. Since I've done all this thanking, let me just thank the Patreon while I'm here. Because of the Patreon, I can continue to grow. 
I continue to make things bigger and better. Uh, I haven't had my laptop in a minute, and this weekend I'm going to go fix it again. But the first time was entirely paid by the Patreon. And I thank you. If you enjoy the show, there's a link in the description below to the Patreon where you can throw a couple of dollars and see the show get bigger and better. And like I said at the top of the program, Captain Lennox is, is, is present in the chat tonight, and he is part of the film Live Before a Studio audience. So for $10 a month, you can get, on average, four episodes filmed live in front of you, and you can become part of the show. Sometimes I'll ask them questions. Sometimes they'll just chime in and make a super valid point, and I'll, it becomes part of the show. It's not just you're an audience member. You are a part of, of a living organism. You become like, like the mitochondria, in a sense. You become just a, a piece of this thing that I do. So I have to thank some people, and starting from the top, I have to thank the OG Noah. Thank you, Noah. After Noah, I have to thank Danny. Thank you, Danny. After Danny, I have to thank Marcus. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you, Mellow Millhouse. And last but certainly not least, I have to thank the man who is in attendance tonight, Captain Lennox. And again, if you want to be part of the uh, Film Live Before Studio audience, it's 10 bucks in the Patreon, and you can change your pledge at any time. I'm just happy that you're here. Everybody gets a shout-out. Everybody gets a thank you. I love you very, very much. And, like, just like going back on my point, Cap even, even just said to me, hey, like, you know, you can change your pledge. Like, good point made there. And Cap's input has become part of the show. You know, maybe maybe sometime I'm talking about some Fallout lore and I get something wrong. You could be like, hey, buddy, it's 2278, not 79. Something silly. You know what I mean? You, can, you, you become part of the show because you have corrected me. I love you. Thank you very much for your support. Now on to the show. So this week I went into the, the Patreon and I, and I asked the poll like I usually do. And the two things that I asked were of brotherhood elders. I said, would you rather hear about Elder Lions or Elder McNamara? I thought Fall 3, Fall New Vegas, that era, that beautiful era. I, I did Maxon a little while ago. I feel like we hear, we hear enough about Maxon to be completely honest too. He's just the the one. Like I feel like a lot of people played. I I'm willing to bet that Fallout 4 has had has had whatever more players in 76 and because of that I feel like a lot of people just know about Maxon. They've read about Maxon, they've looked up things about Maxon, they've watched things about Maxon. So I said, you know, let's go two games back. Let's go three games back, I guess technically at this point. And I said, which, which would you like to hear? So this week's lore comes to us by way of Patreon. And if you'd like to hear any lore, and I mean any lore whatsoever regarding the Fallout series, join the Patreon. Because even at a dollar, your voice is heard. If you like the show and you want to support, even at a dollar, your voice is heard. All the way to the $10 tier, which is the max tier. And when I ask the poll, you have a choice in what will be this week's lore. So by way of Patreon, this week's lore is on Elder Owen Lyons from Fallout 3. Now, Elder Owen Lyons is a very decorated man before he becomes an elder. When you meet him, he's 75 years of age. He's a very old man, especially for wasteland, wasteland lifespans. When you meet him, he is the High Elder and the leader of the East Coast Brotherhood of Steel unit in DC more specifically. Now, I have a, an, ex, an excerpt here from Fallout, Fallout 3's official game guide, and I get all of my lore off of fallout.fandom.com, the Wikipedia, if you will. And a lot of people, at least on the wiki, it says that the 
Fallout 3 official game guide is considered non-canon, and I don't truly believe that just because it's the official game guide. I get that they're not written directly from uh, Emil or anybody else at Bethesda, but it's the official guide. I consider them to be canon just because it's the official guide. It's something that you can pull knowledge from. It's something you can pull reference and resource from. What I have right here is a direct quote. Lions, 75, was already, a highly, was already highly decorated when he set out from the... Order's West Coast headquarters, leading a party of soldiers on a mission to reestablish contact with the Eastern Brotherhood. Now, when 2254 is when this plan gets started, when Owen Lyons is told by West Coast Brotherhood, you are to go from left to right, you are to go from west to east, and to see what is out there, and we need you to reestablish some sort of a connection with the East Coast Brotherhood. And three things that he had to do, he had uh, like a three-part mission. Number one was scour the ruins of Washington, D.C. and recover any advanced tech. It's very much old brotherhood -ish. At 2254, it's very much the old brotherhood mindset of we are here to collect tech and make sure that what happened in the old world never, ever, 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 ever happens again. Two was investigate reports of super mutant activity within the area. And three reestablish contact with the East Coast Brotherhood and return them under control of Lost Hills all the way out in California. When Lyons went on this journey, he took a couple of people with him, a couple of star notable people. There's some other miscellaneous paladins and soldiers and what have you, but some people that really stick out are Sarah Lyons, his daughter who was three years old in 2254 when, when they leave. Scribe Rothschild, Star Paladin Cross, who is at your birth, at the Lone Wanderer's birth, Lone Wanderer's birth is there. Paladin Henry Kasdan, Initiate Ishmael Asher, who later becomes the man who runs the pit, Paladin Tristan, Knight Colwyn, and Paladin Gunny. All of these people are people that you can meet in DC in one way or the other, or in a DLC, and you can you can see how the trip has affected them and you can see where they are mind you the only people that are really doing a trek like this ever in any sort of capacity anything close to this would be a caravanner making contact with midwest brother brotherhood of steel was unsuccessful the closest thing that they had to an east coast uh, brotherhood of steel was over chicago and they had a, the primary airship and that had gone down and they can't establish any sort of connection. So the, the Brotherhood going east is trying to find anything. Now, I don't have this written down, but there, uh, it is believed, if I remember correctly from what I've read off the wiki, it is believed some of the last remaining Enclave remnants at the current time of 2277 to 2278, when Fallout 4 takes place, some of the last remaining Enclave remnants is in Michigan. I don't remember exactly where I saw that other than the wiki. I don't have anything to back that up. But Lake Michigan is, is near Chicago, near Illinois. It's, it's in that area, right? So this kind of plays into what happens later in the timeline of Owen Lyons with the uh, enclave invasion of D.C. I don't know if this is a direct correlation between the ship going down. I'm just saying that this is information that I'm aware of. As the Brotherhood of Steel is going from west to east, they come across the ruins of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Shout out, Pennsylvania. And they take on what is later deemed as the Scourge. In one night, the Brotherhood of Steel made its way through the city, killing anyone or anything that stood in its way. 
The actual reason for the scourge isn't completely clear, but many unradiated children were taken into the Brotherhood of Steel's care and were put into initiate training. Now, this was a big deal. This was something that went directly against what the Brotherhood on the West Coast believed in because the Brotherhood was you were born into it. The Brotherhood and the Enclave and a lot of these like tribes, as I'll refer to them as a lack of a better word, a lot of these tribes have a huge problem with incest. If you're not allowed to bring other people in, how am I supposed to have this group flourish, right? Anyway, they bring these people in and a lot of these initiates grow up with Maxon. A lot of them grow up with who would later become the head of the Brotherhood of Steel. They see him, they believe in him, they see who he is, they understand his story of, hey, your lineage goes back to the West. Your lineage goes back to the Mariposa base. Your lineage is the reason why we are here today. By 2255, Lyons and his team are finally getting to D.C. and setting up shop in the Pentagon. Most of the upper upper level of the Pentagon, everything on the surface is destroyed, but everything below it, the, the tunnel system, the technology, all of it seems to work. It seems to still be intact. Now, this is where they find pay dirt. This is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, I'd argue it's one of the biggest, technological advancements that the Brotherhood of Steel gets its hand, hands on, and that is Liberty Prime, deep within the depths of the Citadel of the Pentagon of, the Uni of these United States of America is Liberty Prime, a robot developed by Robco that was made to be a killing machine, a machine based on war, a machine that is made to annihilate other human beings. This finding, Lyons and his team finding this, establishes him as an elder. The West Coast Brotherhood of Steel sees how big of an accomplishment this is, sees how huge this could be, and deems Lyons as an elder. At this point, he's a very well-respected member of this society, of this community. He's someone who is believed to be someone who can do things for other people. And as Captain Lennox puts so eloquently, made to be used against the Liberty Prime is made to be used against the forces of communist China in the Fallout universe. Because of how big this is, because of how monstrous, pun kind of intended, how monstrous a, a, of a find this is, he gets promoted to elder, and again, he's looked at as a respected man. But this then makes the, the West Brotherhood of Steel come up with a new goal for a new game plan, a new goal for East Coast Brotherhood of Steel. Find as much technology as you can. This is the West Coast Brotherhood in a weird switch, like a weird reverse, the West Coast Brotherhood's gold rush. This is them seeing, okay, if Liberty Prime is here, what else is here? The Museum of History has space shuttles in it, has satellites. That's how you repair the, 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 the signal for Galaxy News Radio. What else is here? If Liberty Prime is here, there is a treasure trove of other stuff that could possibly be underneath this dilapidated, this forgotten city, the old capital of the United States. Not long after they show up, they indicate what is the problem with downtown DC, the super mutants. Lyons had a plan to completely eradicate these mutants and during this time both james and catherine the mother and the father of the lone wanderer in fallout 3 
they're also scientists and they come to him and they want to build a mass purifier and with the HQ of it, the headquarters of where they want to do this, with this project purity that they're working on is so close in the Jefferson Memorial to the Pentagon, they have a plan built uh, between the Brotherhood of Steel and them that for supplies, if they can supply them with supplies, medical supplies, medical knowledge, just help in general, uh, ammo, food, weapons, whatever. If they can provide them with that, the Brotherhood of Steel will provide them protection at Project Purity. Now, the first attempt at Project Purity fails, and the Brotherhood completely pulls out. Catherine later dies during childbirth to the Lone Wanderer. This is about 19 years before the start of the game. Owen Lyons then wants to focus on just the super mutants, finding where the mutants were were coming from, how they were being made, and why the Capital Wastelanders, the civilians, the scavers, were such a huge part of super mutants. He becomes obsessed with all of these ideas, all of these thoughts he has about how to get rid of the super mutants. And truly no good deed goes unpunished, because years after this, the people of the the people of the Capital Wasteland had such a reliance on the Brotherhood of Steel. Now, mind you, I'm going to talk about him a little bit later. This is what Three Dog is talking about. This is the good fight. This is Lions taking the city back for the people. He wants the people of the Capital Wasteland to lit. He was all for Project Purity. It just didn't work. And he was upset about it because he could have put more resources towards other things. But at the same time, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. He wants so desperately to help the people of the Capital Wasteland. And he goes to the West Coast Brotherhood, who he still had connections with, and he's explaining how much these people mean to him. People, as he grew older, grew, he grew softer, but softer in a good way, not softer in a bad way. He saw human lives. He saw people in front of him who were dying. He saw many a thing in front of him that he just wanted to fix. He wanted to help. And mind you, the Brotherhood does not, the original Brotherhood, West Coast Brotherhood, the first Max and Brotherhood, Mariposa Brotherhood does not want anything to do with the outside world. They are to make sure that the nukes will never drop again. That man will never destroy man in such a manner ever again. And he goes to the West Coast Brotherhood and he explains this to them and they couldn't care less. They said, your mission is to be out there and to find old tech. This made communications between West Coast and East Coast Brotherhood incredibly hard. West Coast Brotherhood told him that your first priority is tech and your second should be the mutants. That's what you need to focus on, essentially. I'm paraphrasing. Owens more or less tells his superiors that the people of the Capital Wasteland is what he needs to be focused on. He would still look for tech, and he would ask for reinforcements and supplies, and he would tell the West Coast Brotherhood that he's looking for them, but at this entire time, he was lying. He would, he would say, oh, yeah, I'm looking. We haven't found much, this and that. He'd ask for stuff. And then just not go get it. Like, not, oh, yep, we didn't find anything while he's using these resources that he's being sent. We're using these resources uh, to just help out the common folk of the Capital Wasteland. At one point, the West Coast Brotherhood gave him a direct order, and he refused to, to obey it. And the West Coast Brotherhood cut him off completely after one omission of no. He said no one time directly, and they said, cool, you don't want anything to do with us, then... 
Now, this next part, I want to read directly off the wiki. And again, I get all of my lore off of fallout.fandom.com, the Nukapedia, if you will. And I think it shows what the West Coast Brotherhood is. And I think it shows what the East Coast Brotherhood had the opportunity to be and why it's a shame what happens to it later on. The California corridors of Lost Hills erupted in rumor and speculation. Some claimed Owen Lyons had, quote, gone native, unquote, putting the needs of the people of D.C. above those of the Brotherhood itself. Others saw him as a Brotherhood elder finally exhibiting the selfless behavior that should serve a model for the entire order. Caught in the middle, ruling elders made a decision. They would still recognize Elder Lyons as a leader of the Brotherhood of Steel and the Citadel as their D.C. headquarters, but all support from the West Coast was thereby cut off. If Lyons wanted to pursue... pursue if Lyons wanted to pursue his own agenda on the East Coast, he'd have to do it alone. Imagine being told, yeah, you're doing the right thing, but for all the wrong reasons. But you yourself know you're doing everything that you should. This is how you get humanity to not kill itself again. Not by making sure man doesn't have access to nukes. Not by hoarding technology. Not by being standoffish. Not by hiding by fostering community, by making sure that humans understand that other humans can trust other humans. And the Brotherhood of Steel says, cool, see ya. Because of the new direction, there are some people that are just not taken with the new form of the Brotherhood of Steel. And some of these members saw this as a huge waste of time. Everything they're doing, helping out the wasters, help, helping out the scavers, helping out the, the common folk. They see this as a huge waste of time and resources and bodies. Mind you, I send 10 people out to go kill super mutants. I might only get six that come back. I might get two that come back. I might get none that come back. That's 10 people that died going against what the Brotherhood of Steel originally believed in. And from that loud minority, a request came to recover tech from Fort Independence, a pre-war military base. And enter Paladin Henry Kasdan, who would later become leader of a small group called the Brotherhood Outcasts. He and a few fellow Brotherhood of Steel members that did not agree with Lyons took a large portion of weapons, power armor, and equipment, much of their stockade, a, a large percentage of it. And this hugely impacts the Brotherhood of Steel's ability to be a powerful presence in the wasteland. Here's these guys that see the good that is happening and just refuses to be a part of it. And I get it. You know, my mission was to do X and now we're doing Y. But you're going against helping people to the point where they refuse to even... They, they, they call themselves outcasts. It's the Brotherhood Outcasts. They call themselves outcasts. They wear this, this, this title with a sense of pride. They wear it as if it's, you know, it's a lifetime achievement is, is to become a Brotherhood Outcast. And they're so proud to be it. They talk down on Lions, Lions Pride, the Lions East Coast Brotherhood of Steel. They call everybody under Lions a soldier sycophant. Just because he wants to do things a new, better way. And mind you, they took in these people. They took in these kids. And they've been raising these kids as initiates to become the next generation of brotherhood soldiers, of brotherhood paladins, of brotherhood knights. 
this all of this them leaving them taking all the stuff this hurts lions immensely he sympathized completely with them and took complete responsibility some of these members were his brothers like metaphorically but he had known them for years he had come up with them he was an older member but still these are people that he the scourge he he went through pittsburgh he went from the west coast to dc with these people this was his family but he totally got it. He totally saw that it was a de- he was de- de- defying direct orders from, from HQ. He saw this, but he knew that what he was doing was the right move. Before any of this takes place, they're in good standings. But by the time you meet the Brotherhood of Steel in 2277, they are a shell of what they formerly were. They're on their last legs. They really need help. They need someone out there to pitch in and help fight the good fight. But resources are running low. Even though this hurts the Brotherhood of Steel, they never stop fighting the good fight. And Three Dog might be, honestly, one of the most powerful voices, members, people in fighting the good fight. Someone who can say, hey, if you see a paladin, if you see a knight, they're not the bad guy. They want to help. He is at a tremendous help for the Brotherhood of Steel. Now, as all this happens, as, as the Lone Wanderer is, is exploring and is finding things, he eventually comes upon Project Purity, tries to get into it, and the Enclave attacks Project Purity. James, the Lone Wanderer's father, takes his own life to save Project Purity and its scientists in an attempt to take out Colonel Autumn. As you may know if you played the game... The scientists are saved, James dies, but Colonel Autumn comes back, and he sacrifices himself and kind of sabotages the project momentarily just so he could come back, someone could come back later and take over and make Project Purity what it will later become. Lions, after hearing about this, wages a war on the Enclave. Lions is very much into the idea of restarting Project Purity, doing what they tried to do twenty over 20 years ago at this point. The Lone Wanderer needs a Gek to restart Project Purity, so Lion sends him to Rothschild, Scribe Rothschild, who sends him to Vault 87. He gets the Gek, but then it is stolen while leaving 87, and Lyons hears about all of this shortly after debating with his daughter, Sarah Lyons, about whether or not they should attack the Enclave. He hears this and decides, attacking the Enclave is exactly what we need to do at this point in time. After the Brotherhood of Steel wins... The war, the small war, small war that involves a giant robot, uh, this, this, this war against the Enclave. The Capital Wasteland is given fresh water, and it's a tremendous just morale boost. It's one of the only places in the world at this point in time that has fresh flowing water, has water that you can drink, and your insides won't become outsides. And he would later call upon the Lone Wanderer to help finish off the rest of the Enclave at Adams Air Force Base. Now, by 2278 to 2279, Owen Lyons passes away. He was 75. He more or less accomplished most of his life's work. He set up a lot of things. He had a lot of irons in the fire. If he didn't get to complete them, he still had a lot of things going on that he needed to accomplish. And he was accomplishing that he had been accomplishing. But he passes away, and Sarah Lyons is given leadership, but she dies in battle shortly after being given this leadership. And the Brotherhood of Steel kind of flounders around for a few years. 
And if you played Fallout 4 and you know that it takes ten, it takes place ten years after Fallout 3, and at that point, Elder Maxon is in is in charge, but he's also the youngest elder in the history of the Brotherhood of Steel. He takes over. Now Maxon would eventually eradicate the super mutants in all of DC, unify the Brotherhood of Steel with the Outcasts as well. This is a tremendous accomplishment. Not only does he take care of the super mutants. The thing that's been plaguing DC, DC has a real chance to become a Shady Sands at this point. Like, it has a real chance to become an Arroyo. It has a real chance to become a New Vegas. Like, it has a chance to become a thriving metropolis. They could start cleaning up rubble soon. They could start building things because of what Maxon does. Even though he's awful, they have a real chance at surviving at this point. And even though Lyons established the Brotherhood of Steel in the West got Project Purity on its feet, discovered Liberty Prime, and his team rebuilt Liberty Prime, totally defeated the Enclave, he still remembered as foolish that he stayed away from the Brotherhood of Steel, the Brotherhood of Steel's original mission. He's a man who, he, he's quite literally the X-crawled, so why could, he crawled so Maxon could run, and the power went to Maxon's head. The sole survivor in Fallout 4 can ask, why are you so confident in his abilities in reference to Maxon? And Paladin Dance can say, a decade ago, the Brotherhood had almost gone completely astray. The elder before Maxon sent us down a path that was leading nowhere, as he was more concerned about charity than the preservation of technology. When Maxon took over, he single-handedly reprioritized the Brotherhood from the ground up and put us back on our path to glory. Even there's Brotherhood dialogue, just random Brotherhood members running around to say, that say, I'm proud to be serving under Elder Maxon. I had enough of lions and his foolish ways. So a man who set up every single... It's like, uh, who's the dude who made Social Security? Hoover? It's like, it's like setting up all of these, these safety nets for people to make sure that people can eat and live and survive and things could start. You have the backing of the people. You win, man. Like, you've won everything. Tandy had the Brotherhood kind of in her pocket. And people love Tandy. Like, T Tandy is the number one loved president of the NCR. Like, to this day, people love Tandy. She's on the money. Like, she, like literally, she was on the money. Like, and they just, they just saw it as a negative. They continue to see it as a negative. Owen Lyons... Amata and Sarah Lyons is one of three characters in the game to have very good karma. You can He can ask you if, if you know anything more about the super mutants and you can tell him they're coming from Vault 87 and he will say, you seem to have learned more in the past two weeks than I have in 20 years. Regardless of how long the player has been out of Vault 101 and how long they told him about 87. The Lone Wanderer breaks out of captivity from the Enclave. They have been held for two weeks, according to Three Dogs Radio Broadcast. I like Elder Lions a lot. I, I like him a lot. He's very... He's just stoic. He's just... A force of good. He's a man who believes in... He's truly Fallout's Bernie Sanders. He, he believes in people. He believes in what's right. He believes that if you do things correctly and you do them with love and you do them to do them and not out of hatred and you do them for your fellow man, then good things happen. 
he believes in compassion. He believes in truth. He believes in honesty. He shows up in Fallout 3. He is uh, in Fallout Shelter. Fallout Shelter Online, which we didn't get. And Fallout Wasteland Warfare, the board game. And he's mentioned in Fallout 4. He is a character that I just really, really like. I really appreciate the man. I like him quite a bit. Even Cap says right now, when I first encountered him, I thought Owen Lyons to be a bit weird, but once I got to know the character, I saw him as respectable and trustworthy in his beliefs. Yeah, man, there's there's nothing better than a character, a person, something that just genuinely believes something. Like, if, if you know somebody, like... You can know somebody who, like, genuinely believes in, like, gerbils. Like, the healing property of gerbils. But if they believe it wholeheartedly, I'm with you, man. I'm so with you. I don't even have to 100% believe it with you. But I appreciate, I admire, I respect the passion. That, my friends, is this week's lore. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the third segment. The segment where we just kind of hang out and chill. I hope you're doing well. Thanks again for the five years of the program. Um, so last week was a burner episode, as you may or may not know. And last week, I was away. I was on another little mini vacation. Um, I said in a couple episodes back that I went to a concert, a, a insane clown posse concert. And I had f- my friends that I went with said, hey, we're going to go to the Gathering of the Juggalos, which... Uh, is a, is a festival, a music festival, for fans of the Insane Clown Posse. They call themselves Juggalos and Juggalettes for the females. And I went, and I went, I went to the, the clown show, I went to the clown fest, and it was an experience, man. Everyone was just kind of walking around naked, and there was just music constantly, and just, like... I don't want to give too much away because I took my camera and I recorded a lot of stuff. I got to talk to a lot of people. I got to ask them what being a fan or being a juggalo means to them and all that stuff. And I don't want to give too, too much away. But just like there was another podcast there that was doing it. There was like a sanctioned thing that was like on the roster that was like, hey, we're doing the I believe it was the Fago Enjoyers podcast. If I can find the footage, I'll put a little clip right here of me like kind of on their podcast really quick and them shoot shouting me out and I have um I have a clip of like me interviewing the one guy and then they just gave me weed. Yeah about you that now oh hey Blake you look it says yo yo Les Blake is always the hey. best given like an eighth like for free (laughs) and like the whole place smelled of the whole place smelled of uh weed just there was constant drug use there was constant just 
And, and like, not in a bad way. There was at least one overdose that I know of, but it was because it was laced with fentanyl, um, which, just wait, because, you know, once that hits outside of the U.S., if it hasn't already, it's just not going to stop. But, like, just everybody was respectable. My friend that I went with is, is a juggalo, uh, and I was just there kind of taking everything in. I got to see Arrested Development, a group that uh, that I found as a kid in, in a used record store. I found their CD and picked it up because I heard that Timbaland worked on one of their albums, and I and I snatched it up, and it's a fantastic record, and they played a lot of the, the joints from, from the, the album. I have three days – I'm sorry, three years, five months. I forget the whole title. It's, it's a span of time. I got to see them. I actually got to see them do sound check, and the dude who's the front man speech just saw me. He was like, what's up, man? I'm like, hey, brother, man. Like, I don't remember what I said. It was just something quick. And I got to see Sugar Hill Gang do Rapper's Delight, the first commercially successful hip-hop song in existence. And as a kid who grew up as a hip-hop kid and got made fun of for liking hip-hop, and this being hip-hop's 50th anniversary, it's August of this year, is the 50th anniversary. Like, it's just, it was cool. It was a moment in time. I I went I saw the the insane clown posse twice because it's their festival and I had a fago just soda just soda pop just thrown all over me. I didn't get a tour shirt like I got a shirt but I didn't get it. I actually got a shirt in Kansas that rips. It says Kansas home of the big cocks. I got it in the gas station. It was like 14 bucks. It's super dope. I got a shirt and I didn't get one that says, like, oh, this is the festival shirt. Like, this is the people that are performing or, like, these are the dates that it is. I didn't get something like that. But what I did get is a brand-new white T-shirt completely tie-dyed in Fago. And if you ask me, I'm just going to take a marker and write the date on it. That's way cooler, man. I got a little pendant. They give out little pendants when you go. I got a little booklet. I met clown this! Sorry. Sorry to get loud. Um, I was okay. So there's this man. His his live streams either tonight or tomorrow, and it's been like two weeks because of the gathering. Or whatever. It might even be another week because of the gathering. He is a man who is half clown, half Elvis. I that was enough. I spent I spent more money there than I did like on anything else. I bought a hat. I bought a CD. I bought a beer. I don't even drink alcohol. I took a sip. It was a be- it was a strawberry flavored beer. Delicious. Loved it. Didn't drink more than like two sips. Gave it to my friend. I bought the, the, the shirt. I bought a patch. I bought a sticker. I gave the sticker to my mom. My mom drove out because it was in Ohio and it was only like a seven or eight hour drive. So she came out to hang out for the weekend. She didn't go to the show. We wanted to sneak her in. We didn't think security was going to be that tight. Uh, but security was quite tight. Uh, I really wanted to sneak my mom into the gathering. I thought that would have been super dope. But we took her to like the front gate and we like showed her shit and then we, we went back. Um, but I met Clownvis. If, I, I should have the picture. There should be a picture on screen somewhere of me meeting Clownvis. I look like Narwar. I was so excited to meet him. Uh, be completely honest, never watched a stream of his. I follow him on like Instagram and stuff, and I think I might follow him on Twitter. But just just pleased as punch. The hat that I bought is going to get a ton. And I had this I had the CD that I bought on me, and I should have had him sign it, and I didn't. So we put the CD on in the car, and there's a song called The Universe, right? And, like, the last line of the universe, like, hit me in a weird-ass way. He's like, the universe might be infinite, but it begins with you and me. And I was like, damn, Clownvis? God damn, Clownvis? Just, I mean, guys, I'm going to say it now because I want to speak things into existence. 
I want an interview with Clownvis. I want to sit down with Clownvis and have a conversation on here with you guys. Like, I want to expose you guys to Clownvis. Squeeb. Bianca95. Like, I'm ready for I'm ready for it. I had a great time, man. I had a great time. Tickets weren't that expensive. We stood in a nice little cabin. You know. It was cool. And am I going to do it again next year? I think I'm going to, dude. I don't think uh, I don't think I'd consider myself a juggalo, but I think I'm down with the clown. Truly. Also, there was like they found the guy who was selling fentanyl. They beat the shit out of him. I have like footage of them like it was like the end of it, but I have footage of them beating the shit out of the dude selling fentanyl. Him getting arrested. We telling uh, me and the other people there telling him tell him to go f himself and telling the cops that they should just kill him like right there. You know, <laughs> if he was if he wasn't white, they would have done it. But just, it was a good-ass time. It was a great time. Like, I, I actually got to meet an old-school Detroit rapper named Esham. I just walked up to him. I was like, hey, man, I saw you in uh, Colorado not too long ago, this and that. And just had, like, a nice conversation to ask him about touring. And then I was like, all right, man, thanks for everything. And he was like, thank you, man. He's like, make sure you drink a lot of water today. I'm like, you too, dude. You friggin' too. The two bands that I wanted to see the most, actually, there was three. I didn't get to see the one because... It goes from noon to I shit you not four a.m. So I was just like, all right, I, I gotta I gotta go home. Like I I gotta drive and shower. I'm covered in soda. I'm covered in sweat. Like I wanted to see R.A. the Rugged Man, but I didn't. He's a he's a legend too. But it was just it was like it was like one two in the morning when he was on. I wanted to see Lardy B, and I didn't. Uh, she's a fat white Cardi B, who does parodies of Cardi B songs. Max Sabbath I missed too. It was a good time. It was a it was a fantastic time. If someone that I interviewed uh, is watching this or got to this point, thank you, thank you for checking me out. Thank you for let me do an interview quick. More is coming. Like I said, I took video. I'm gonna sit down with my friend and interview them, and we're gonna talk about our experience and their past experience at these things, and we're gonna go from there. And I'm going to edit all this stuff together. And I'm going to do the interviews as one separate video of just raw. Because I'm going to cut them up. Because they're interviews. There's a lot of spaces. And uh, just, you know, if I don't have a note card in front of me with questions on it. And I'm still kind of sussing out what the area is. Who the people are. It's, it's a little hard. I actually got to meet someone who's like, I got to interview him too. Who's like a big name in the Juggalo community. Uncle Juff. Uh, I just like, yo man, quick interview. He's like, yeah, sure. There was a couple rappers that I met too that I really should have interviewed. And I just didn't. Uh, but you know, you live and you learn. It's your first time there. I got to ease my way into being comfortable. I hope you watch that video when it comes out because it was super dope. I had a fantastic time, but that's really all I have for you guys this week. Again, my name has been Vince. Thank you for being here. Even if it's your first time here, thank you for being here. But if you've been here since the very, very beginning, thank you from the depths of my soul for being here for five years. Atomic Radio Hour, five years still going strong a baby if you like the intro music it's by the one and only shane ivers you can get his music at silvermansounds.com slash free music slash feather duster or just free music and you can find all of the heaters that the man has made completely for free again there is a link to the patreon in the description below if you'd like to support i love you there's also a uh, link down there to the red bubble you can support in a smaller monetary way there's a link in the description to my Twitter, Kyle's Twitter, the show's Twitter. I don't even know if Twitter's a thing anymore. Are we all on threads? Am I going to have to make a threads account now? Who knows? We'll figure it out together. The universe may be infinite, but it begins with you and I, my friends. 
Thank you for being here. Thank you for all the love. Thank you for all the support. Thank you. Just thank you. I love you very much. And I'll be seeing you next week. Bye now. Atomic Radio Hour Podcast. This has been a production made by your friends at Goldman Entertainment.